everyone. This is your co-host, Renaissance Marie. Uh, this is a little editor's note for the episode. This episode is coming at you super duper late, later than was expected. That is partly because, well, actually, it's mostly because I was the one editing. Sunny is the, usually the one who edits our episodes, and editing this week, I have no idea how Sunny has such a quick turnaround on these episodes because this episode took me forever to edit, plus finals week and just general life stuff, but I was finally able to finish the episode and I hope you guys really enjoy it. This week, we are going over, of course, your guys' submitted hot takes and also we will be reviewing 30 by Adele. Now, we reviewed this album the night that it came out, which also kind of dates how long it took me to edit this episode. So again, very, very big apologies for that. But all of our opinions and all of our takes are those that we had the night that the album came out. Uh, There's nothing in it that like is wildly changed because of any new information, but also, you know, just keep in mind that song rankings may have changed or other observations that we might have come to in the now over a month since this album has come out. So I just want to give you guys a heads up for that and kind of put you, give some context to that. Also, we recorded this episode like right after the Red TV version or the Red TV album just dropped. And so we do make a couple references to that and a couple references to the episode that just came out right before we recorded this one. So obviously it's been a while since the Red TV episode came out so if you're you know not super familiar with some of the things that we're referencing don't worry about it it shouldn't be anything that really takes away from listening to this episode now with that being said everyone please say thank you to sunny for editing all the other episodes and pray for me that i will become a faster editor and with that i hope you enjoy this week's episode of the lavender menace bye amazing amazing one of her best albums and she picked not only the worst songs off the album some arguably the worst songs in her discography (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to the lavender menace podcast i'm your co-host renaissance i use they, them pronouns, but if you're a lesbian, you can also use she, her. And today I'm I'm feeling not rich because the amount of money that I had to spend on gas today, I literally <laughs> cried. Like I almost <laughs> shed a, a tear at the gas station. <laughs> As you all know, I live in California and the gas prices in California, it's like they want you in debt. Like you can get in debt just <laughs> from having to fill your car up with gas. Hi, I'm Sunny. I also use they, she pronouns. I am feeling lactose intolerant. That's how I'm feeling. And I'm also feeling very tired. It's almost 2 a.m. I have a doctor's appointment in the morning. So, but I stayed up for Adele. I did. I did. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We have our regular three-part series. And, you know, our most recent episode, I think I teased in some element of our episode that we were going to be talking about Spencer, but we lied. That was wrong. That's not true. We're not doing that. We're talking about Adele's album that we just now listened to because it just dropped. 
So that's the media that we're discussing. But before that, as always, we get through some hot takes that you guys submitted. Thank you so much for sending in things that we should discuss and the opinions that you solicit from us. It's not unsolicited advice if it's if you ask us, you know what I mean? So I'm happy for that. And then after we do our hot takes, of course, we discuss 30 Adele's um, album. And then we will give each other media recommendations, as we usually do. So, yeah. Do you want to start off with Willa's submission? Yes, I'm so excited to read this. When I first read it, I was obsessed. And so here it is for all of you. <laughs> the giggles the giggles already this is from willa they she they introduce themselves as an angela davis fan and a swifty and with in all caps you meaning sunny and i quite literally have never had a bad take which is highly appreciated obviously there's a journey so i have had many bad takes personally but i love i love the very supportive energy thank you willa <laughs> okay <laughs> there's there's so many little nuances and details to this email that yeah. I adore. It's so, the syntax of the message. It is. It's giving like y- you. Okay, Willa, tell me if this is a correct guess about you or not. <laughs> I feel like you have really liked your English teachers. Like you wanted to do well in English because you specifically wanted your teacher to think that you're the best student in that English class, <laughs> and I feel that from you. And I just want to say, really. Like, I relate heavily. So this is the email. As a lesbian that has unfortunately had to fight the demon that is a disillusioned white man, I would love for you guys to talk about the the Madonna whore complex and how the male views sapphics because of it, or the overall Madonna whore ideal that is taken from saint prostitute with straight women and translated to lesbians. In this story mostly fits the point. And then Willa also shares a story. Um, should I share the story? Because there's, there's moments of it that I like, but it's all, also a sad story. Yeah, Ooh. like trigger warning for yeah. like, sexual harassment. This dude that Willa knew knew that I was a lesbian from the jump and decided that he was the exception while I perceived him as a trusted close friend and confidant. Now, this is... This first half of the next sentence is my absolute favorite. The climax of his absolute idiocy. I think that string of words, I love you for it. It's giving AP literature. It's giving, like, president a speech and debate. I, the climax of his absolute idiocy. I, I, okay. No offense, Willa. I'm pretty sure you're in high school. Maybe eighth, if you're in eighth grade, a very articulate eighth grader. I think you're in high school, and I just want to say I love your writing style. I mean, you'll probably change it as you get older, but, like, I adore it. Anyways, this is the story. It gets, like, less campy from here. The climax of his absolute idiocy came when he sent a nude out of fucking left field. Literally out of nowhere. I was heartbroken and felt completely portrayed and reflected back on all the times he used me to sexually get off. I confronted him immediately and told him I felt violated and that I did not consent to this treatment and I thought he would have respected me and my sexuality more. He gaslighted me, excused all of his behavior, etc. And now we don't talk at all despite being very close for a long time. 
I would love to chalk it up to him being a fuck-up, but obviously the rhetoric he used to justify his actions indicated that the that it was a learned approach and that he was taught the entitlement he felt towards a person that would never be quote unquote his. Overall, it's taken me a couple of months to look back on it in a clearer light. It makes me so fucking disappointed, but not surprised that he only respected and was interested in my thoughts and emotions after I had clearly explained I would never have sex with him. It is clear now that I could either be sexually appealing or respectable to him, never coexisting, and once I confronted him, and directly pointed out his backward thought process, it was like a light switch and I had become a random person with which no conversation could be carried or compliment given like he had not been my best friend for many months. And that seems like a theme in most women-loving women media I've consumed. The usually femme-on-femme -femme partners are either sexually promiscuous and deviant by lesbians on the DL, or they're just like you, suburbia-esque dynamic Oh, so respectable, the middle-aged couple that has kids and a little rainbow sticker on their car. All of it is tailored to soothe the male ego. It is either hot and directly for their pleasure or a watered-down version of lesbianism where queerness and identity is removed and it's basically a heterosexual relationship dynamic with two women. It reinforces that the model of hetero male-centric relationships are the right way to love and that they are the standard still and that all other relationships are modeled after them and still revolve around their roles and ideals in society. Overall, white straight men are evil and must be destroyed, and you guys are fucking amazing and perfect. A slay every time. Love you. PSR, this is so long. <laughs> Which, like... Thanks, Willa. Love the compliments at the beginning and end of the email. <laughs> yes. Introduction and conclusion. It, it's true. I mean, I think, like... Willa's experience with, you know, like, a guy your age when you're young thinking, like, being close to you in order to try to, like, test your sexual availability, regardless of whatever boundaries you try to reiterate to him, is a pretty universal experience, I feel like, for, like, adolescent young girls where you think you're friends with someone but he is just trying to like get in your pants or whatever um or or then like when he realizes that he can't it's like you guys never were friends in the in the first place and i think it is it does kind of come down to the fact that like men really only view emotional intimacy as something that they do like well like straight men really think emotional intimacy is only a thing that you do with someone you're having sex with a woman so you only have emotional intimacy with a woman and that can be result of or lead to sexual intimacy like it's kind of connected to for them because for like women like we have friendships that are very deeply emotional and emotionally intimate without them being sexual or romantic and like intimacy isn't necessarily connected to that in the way that i think for men it is because men like are friends with each other because they all happen to like the same thing or that they you know like it's it's like it's not an emotionally close relationship at least in terms of how like manhood operates like that's just not a thing that you can do with other men i guess at least from my observation and it seems as like very vulnerable or like a deviation from manhood to be a man that has a closely intimate relationship with another man like in terms in terms of friendship like for 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 heterosexual men it's seen as this like very progressive self-aware 
thing to have yeah. a, a I mean, it goes against gender norms because gender exactly. norms say that men do not have those types of relationships. Exactly. And especially with men who you're not blood related to. Yeah. Like, it's one yeah. thing to have, have a father mom, figure, even... have a brother figure. But I feel like that's the thing, though. With the men, it's like, it's all about a power dynamic. It's about looking up to someone, idolizing them, wanting to be like them as opposed to a mutual to a relationship that isn't just respect of what you can project of yourself, but rather like what is vulnerable and what is inside. Like, whereas with women, I feel like one of the most integral parts of the way that we relate to each other is our emotional vulnerability that I think is mostly revealed through our, like, the way that we gossip, the way that we talk, and like, I guess with straight women and with women who are attracted to men, like a lot of the times in like a heteronormative society ends up being around the topic of like boys or whatever, and then there's all, there's this like sort of social understanding of women to be all fighting over men, basically. And then the ways that women's relationships oppose that or reiterate that like trope or trend within a patriarchal society, I think is interesting. I think the these gender relations is the reason why the Madonna whore complex even like has to exist where you know a woman is either someone who is perfect and untouched like at least from what i understand of this a woman is either perfect and untouchable and not real or she's someone you have sex with and it is sexualized and exists to be a sexual object like which is why men both treat women the people that they date as emotional dumping grounds and also as sexual providers and also as like you know their sole source of emotional intimacy like they view it all as well because all other women are <laughs> it also fall into invisible. the Madonna whore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You become invisible once you are no longer a sexual object to them. To men, particularly straight men, as a woman, you're either their mother or the person they're fucking. <laughs> and if you are a woman in a man's life who is not either of those things... Or, or you're both, because as a girlfriend, a lot of people are taking care of their boyfriends in the way that, like, mothers are expected to take care of their child. Because of the way that men are coddled in society, like... Yes, but I mean, like, sexually, especially men who revere their mothers and mm -hmm. are like, she's perfect, she's never done anything wrong kind of way. In love for a mother, that's not incestual, because there's also, like, emotional incest that yeah. happens between mothers and sons, but I'm not necessarily talking about that in that's the madonna like your mom is the madonna and all other yeah. women are the whores unless they are also exactly. madonna exactly other mother figures fall into the madonna complex and so if you're not a mother or a sexual object then you don't exist but that also plays into not only how lesbians are viewed because we don't even have relationships with men to be seen as a madonna but it also is like the basis of ageism like once women go through menopause once women are no longer seen as sexually viable. And like old women basically are assumed to just like disappear from society, you know? I definitely not like agree with the Madonna whore complex because it's not something to be agreed or disagreed. It exists and it does affect the way that men view women. I'm not exactly sure what my opinions are on how it affects sapphics or lesbians to a certain extent, just because lesbians don't have relationships with men in this way, or at least from the lesbian perspective not that like lesbians can't have sons but I only think that if you're a lesbian who is obviously affected by misogyny and you have interactions or friendships or other relationships with men then if a man sees you as a woman it's possible that this view is going to inform the way that he treats you
but I think that that kind of goes for anyone who is seen as a woman. And if you are a lesbian, the prospect of being either of these things, but particularly on the whore side of the Madonna whore complex, like dichotomy of women, has like an extra layer of discomfort and dehumanization because there's no possibility for that to be like a mutual sexual interest. And so that crosses that extra line, but Madonna, the Madonna whore complex itself serves to take away the humanity of misogyny affected people or people who are seen as women by men. So inherently lesbians are going to fall into that. But I don't think yeah, I also think like lesbians don't neatly fall because lesbians don't oftentimes neatly fall into categories of gender and lesbians also they, they are just are hard to categorize for men. So we either become sexual objects to them or we become non-objects, like non-existent, right? So, and I think like the fact that this guy saw you as sort of like a challenge in some way and then like violated your boundaries um thinking that that was like okay i think is sort of a reflection of of the entitlement that all men have towards women and lesbians <laughs> cuz being a lesbian is all about rejecting the reality of men's desire like that is an inherent part of your identity whether you care about it or think about it or not you know like you you, you're just not you're not accessible to them in the way all other women are and and in the way that they feel like they are entitled to and i think like incel logic the logic of incels has like become super it, it, it is the default logic by which most men operate in the world in which you know they're owed sex they're owed relationships with women they're owed women's attention by virtue of them being a man and that is what they deserve because of how the world works for some reason right like it is entitlement is built into manhood as a structure like otherwise manhood couldn't exist i think so yeah well i hope that was helpful willa but um, we talked on we touched on the things that you wanted us to talk about, and the next person who um, sent us a email, and you can email us at the lavender menace podcast at gmail dot com if you have any hot takes or if you want to send us anything. MJ said, greetings, Sunny and Renaissance. Hi. I love what you guys do, and as a person who recently discovered that they are a lesbian, it has been very comfort comforting listening to your podcast. Congrats. <laughs> it's a good thing to listen to when I come home to remind myself not everyone is annoying and ignorant. I also re recommend you guys to my friends when they ask for podcasts. I don't really listen to podcasts, so go you guys for catching my attention. I was just wondering what both of your experiences were being LGBTQ while in school, not necessarily college, and any words of advice for LGBTQ people still in school. Love you guys and look forward to new episodes. I wish you both the best. Thank you so much, MJ really appreciate it. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. I think that for me, like something that I feel like kind of made my school experience or at least my high school experience really different from a lot of my friends, and a lot of my peers is that the entire time, like I never actively pursued, I don't know, like guys in this in this like grounded and real way in the way that it felt like all of my peers really were that relationship of like being close to a straight guy and him 
being like, no, like, I actually want to hook up with you. I don't want to just be friends. That's never really happened to me because all of the men that I've been friends with in high school have all been, like, queer. And, like, we've always just been chill and we still are. And my friend groups in high school were always pretty queer, even if it was still, like, regardless of the genders involved of the group of people, it was it was always pretty queer. And our conversations and our social dynamics were not that centered around, like, men, I guess, in a way that I feel like is not the reality. And like for a lot of other people, I don't know, like I just felt like I, I had an extra queer adolescence because all the people I knew around me were queer. Like, I don't know, which is just never really, it was never really like a thing. And those were the only people I talked to, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, I don't know. What was your experience being LGBTQ? Which couldn't be more different. I was gonna say, <laughs> could not be more different from my experience. But for me, I was out for like most of high school. Like I came out after winter break of my freshman year of high school. So the first semester of my freshman year was the only time that I wasn't out as bisexual. And over the, the four years of high school, I became like more and more out in terms of like which teachers knew, which friends knew, how comfortably I talked about it in class. But my overall advice, I guess, that I would have is that when I was in high school, I thought that coming out in high school was like really important. And that even coming out like as a senior in high school would be like coming out as late or like some, I don't know, like late bloom type thing. And that's just not really the reality. Like, you're still so young. And I remember in high school watching coming out videos and, like, gay story time videos about people <laughs> saying that they didn't realize that they were gay until college and me thinking that that was, like, so old or something like that. And, you know, it wasn't until their undergrad that they realized that they weren't straight. And I realized that if you're a queer person, like figuring out your sexuality and puberty is just a lot different than straight people. And so it was assuming that coming to terms with my sexuality would be just like straight people except bi or like except queer, when that's like not the case at all. So even if you are questioning your sexuality in high school or, e or you know, but you don't think that your school would be very accepting, it's really not that important. Like just yeah, yeah. like just do what you need to do. Yeah. Graduate or whatever your like after yeah. high school plans are. It doesn't matter. Go to the GSA meetings. Don't don't go to the GSA meetings. It, yeah. it like I literally cannot emphasize enough how much it doesn't matter because when yeah. I was in high school I felt like it mattered so much and I felt like I was bad that I didn't know what my sexuality was like right away or that I didn't know at the same speed that all of my straight friends knew that they were straight and that's like not the case it literally doesn't matter for me my school is like very like neutral like it wasn't like pride parades every day but it wasn't like super homophobic I think that's just because of how big it was so if there were really homophobic students they were never in the spaces that I was in like just by sheer number because <laughs> like I had a girlfriend my senior year of high school and we went to homecoming and prom together literally no one could care less. Like there probably had been multiple gay couples every single year at all of these dances year after year and just no one cared. Mm -hmm. It's not giving the prom 2020 <laughs> on Netflix. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, like we weren't banned from prom because I wanted to date my <laughs> girlfriend at the time. So like for that, I was grateful. Like that was my experience. 
But if you don't think that that's going to be your experience... Yeah. Well, I was also going to say, like, something that I also think about a lot is that it's not necessarily your identity that defines you and figuring out exactly your, your identity, exactly your labels, your sexuality. It's more about, like, how I think you relate to other people. Because just, like, yeah. how you relate to people interpersonally. Since graduating high school, and also even, like, since leaving, like, a middle school, like, so many things change about how I thought of the world and how I viewed myself and then how I view the people around you. But the thing is, is that the people around you are also changing a lot in all of those ways as well. And you're shaping, you're helping shape each other in all of those ways. And I remember the arguments that I had about politics with people that I disagreed with at 15, who now I they I disagree with for totally different reasons. Like, it just doesn't, but we're still friends. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we've all grown together. Like, it really, it's something that, like, if you, if you treat people with care and you develop the relationships that you want to develop, things will come out the way that you want them to. I got into multiple relationships throughout high school and middle school, mostly with, like, people who were like dudes at the time because I just felt like I needed to have the experience. I don't know why. I felt like I needed to put it on a fucking resume or something. Capricorn moon. Like I was literally like, okay, I need to get the, the, the high school experience trademark. Like, but that really was not necessary. That really was not at all. I didn't, I wasn't into it. I didn't really care. And then it obviously, and then like it backfired in a lot of different ways. And it, but it was also because like, even in my queer friendships, in my friend group of all people who are gay, like, I, I don't think I went to a single class where I didn't know at least one other person in that classroom was also gay. You know what I mean? Like, but it was weird because... See, that's why I was so different. So I was always, since the moment I came out, I was always the only, at least out, queer person. Since graduating, about half of my friends have come out as bisexual, and I'm just like, so you let me really run my little queer ass mouth by myself. Like, all of In you all were of high school. silent. <laughs> That's silent. actually hilarious. You were in high school. That was so funny. During high school. I was like, so I was like, this whole time, you were sitting <laughs> in the corner, knowing you liked girls, and you had me fighting for my life, trying to convince my IB English teacher that Hamlet was actually gay. Okay? <laughs> I could have used a little bit of backup in that scenario. But uh, no, that was funny because when I, I when I moved schools between middle school and high school, because in middle school, like, I also knew in my head, I was like, ah, I'm probably queer. And, like, no one around me was, for sure. Like, and Same. to this day, I mean, actually looking back now, like, now. In middle school, none of us thought we were queer, really, but we all are now. And, like, towards the end of middle school, we were thinking, okay, yeah, probably. But we weren't right about our identities, really, until many years later. And even though I'm still in contact with these people, even though I didn't go to high school with them, you know what I mean? Like, you... <laughs> this is what I mean. It's like you you cultivate the relationships that you do, and then the ones that matter, you maintain. And then, like, those people... You, you end up being like, oh my god, wait, we were all queer, that's crazy. Even if that wasn't what bonded you guys at the time, like, it kind of ends up... And I think in high school, it was weird. It, the difference was the level of awareness you had, because going from middle school into high school, it, I was going from an environment where, like, no one thought they were queer, and then I was feeling like I was the weird one for even thinking about it, because the only gay people I knew were really from media and, like, people that I knew for, like, a week at camp or whatever, as opposed to people who were in my life on the day-to-day -day basis. And then when I moved to a different high school, 
I I was like, okay, I think I'm I'm think I'm bisexual, and then like this girl that I spoke that I knew from the school was like, oh my god, there's so many bisexual people at at this new high school, like literally, like don't even worry about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I was literally so baffled. But then when I came there, I was like, yeah, wait, there are a lot of bisexual people here. <laughs> but and That's this is so funny. and this is what I think it was interesting though because all of my bi friends throughout the entire all of my GSA friends all of the people who helped run that shit from freshman to senior year, like all of them had boyfriends throughout the continually or I mean or were dating someone like either or throughout the continu- throughout the course of you know me knowing them and me being friends with them and I think there's just one person who said she was a lesbian but then like that was when I first met her. And then a couple years later, she was, like, dating this guy who was also in the GSA. So, I don't really know what happened there. Like, there were a lot of interesting situations going on. There were also, there were, like, the furry kids, the anime kids, the, you know, like, the goth kids, the kids who did aerial silks, the kids who, the Tumblr kids, (laughs) the skating kids. No, I'm dead. Like, these were literally the motherfuckers we were around. That sounds like the one, um... (laughs) Donald Trump audio is like the anarchists, the, anarchists, the, looters. the looters. Yeah, that was my high school. That was yeah. fuck. That was literally my fucking high school. Like, <laughs> just absolute, absolute weirdos. So I didn't feel weird because I was like, y'all are crazy. And then of course there were the people who were so straight edge, like you could not like, like. And then there were also the people who were very Taylor Swift coded, and uh, which I was like, you're definitely bi, but you don't think so. But you're bi. Like I see you going on your granola little. Oh, yeah, I see yeah. you going on your little hikes. I see you in your little Lululemon outfits. I see you in. Your, <laughs> I see you with your ret- golden retriever ass boyfriend. I know who you are. I see you. Like you know what I mean. Like <laughs> there were those people as well. I definitely my. My gaydar has definitely improved since graduating <laughs> high school, and now, now I'm just out here assigning people their sexualities, like, with full authority. Like, I'm like, I know. It's also so funny, because, like, so many of my bi friends from high school have since realized they're lesbians, so many of my, I mean, so many people have, like, realized that they're trans, so many people who were trans, and, like, also, like, not straight, or, like, no, oh, no, I'm definitely straight. Like, it's, things have changed a lot throughout the course of high school and after graduating in ways that I think we're all very, like, queer, but, and the, and the ones that stick and the ones that don't, like, you know, when I talk about, like, bisexual women who center men, like, so, there, this was so many of the people that I knew in high school because, it, yes, it was a lot of queer people, but it was still a lot of people who were, who cared so much about men, and something about me is that I've been, like, a hardcore feminist since I was, like, 12. Like, it didn't matter about anything else. Like, I was always preoccupied with conceptions of gender, and I was this, and I was always the one person who was such a bitch to, (laughs) to men, um, and all of my teachers were always, were always annoyed at me for it, and, (laughs) and, like, I just didn't respect them, I didn't, and I still don't, um, you know, that's something that, (laughs) that has continued, like, sometimes I'll say things, and I'm like, oh, I say this now as, like, a Marxist feminist, and I know that I'm right because I can cite my sources, but I also said the same thing three years ago, because I just knew it to be true. That's how, that's how I feel about, especially when I first started reading more like leftist and communist theory and particularly having conversations with people who are already communist about Mm -hmm. gender for so many of the beginnings of that it just felt validating of what I already knew I was like I had thought this I'd consent I've been screaming this in every single one of my classes and no one everyone I saw that I'm just like this crazy (laughs) yeah 
person. Yeah. And I'm like, now I have the opinions that I used to have, but like you said, like, I know them to be true. Like, now mm-hmm. I, I know mm-hmm. why I came to this conclusion from, like, mm-hmm. my own observations. Mm-hmm. But for me in high school, in my relationship to the other people, is that, one, my social group was, like, 99.99% girls. Like, I mm. really didn't interact with men at all. Yeah. So having emotional relationships with the people at my high school I didn't have any trouble with Mm -hmm. because like the the queerness of girlhood Mm -hmm. really the the, the Taylor Swift trope that we talk about was really the divine's core yes yes very the divine's core and also by high school I was friends with people that I had met in elementary school Mm -hmm. that I like been friends with like like Mm -hmm. friends that I had before puberty at all like, mm-hmm. when liking guys was just, like, a silly little joke or mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. you know? Even for straight girls, like, people yeah. who went through puberty and grew up yeah. and ended up being straight, like, when we were friends when guys That didn't matter, still, yeah. It, it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So, so many of the major friendships that I had by the time I was in high school weren't based in our sexuality at all, mm-hmm. or both talking about yeah. guys yeah. that we liked yeah. or anything like that. They're much more familial which mm-hmm. i think i've talked about on the podcast yeah. as well and much more sisterly yeah. than they were possible competitors yeah, yeah. for not that sisters can't be competitors for men because that's no, also they, a trope they, that is really they, funny that, to that me. is a trope and and like that is a thing that exists but that wasn't the kind of sisterly right. relationship that i yeah. had with them anyways yeah. so yeah. even when my friends started getting boyfriends or dating guys mm-hmm. Also because I wasn't actually, I remember thinking, I was like, I feel like I should be having boyfriends or should be wanting mm. to have a boyfriend mm-hmm. or should feel like I'm missing out. But I, like vocally, I'd be like, I don't want any of these guys to like me. Like, I, I really <laughs> want to position You annoy the shit out of me. They don't like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, like, you know how hummingbirds have a beak <laughs> where, like, yeah. they can get the nectar from, like, cactuses? Yeah, yeah. Like, my friends were hummingbirds that, like, could get close to me, but then my thorns uh-huh. were for all the men who would try to yeah. get in contact. Like, <laughs> I want to be seen as that someone so who funny. A, a viable option to have a crush on if you're a guy. But I still was able to have a lot and lots and lots yeah. of friends who are girls. So, obviously, I was able to position myself as someone mm-hmm. to be liked and to be a friend. But also, going back to what Willa said, since... Guys didn't, like, I just had the air of someone who was not an option for sexual or romantic (laughs) relationships. They didn't even approach me. So for me, being bisexual didn't have a huge impact on my high school experience in that way. Because all of my friends who were girls, none of them thought that I might have a crush on them. Because we had been friends before we started having crushes. And if I didn't have a crush on them... Then it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, interesting. And guys just didn't like me, and I didn't like them. (laughs) So we were chill. It was fine. That is so funny. So it was really easy for me to go throughout high school. But like I said, if you're not in this position where, like, Sunny's friend group was just, they were all bi together, (laughs) or queer somehow together. And so being out in that context wasn't, like, you didn't stick out like a sore thumb. And... For me, all of my friendships I'd had for so many years that it didn't even me really coming matter. out or trying yeah. to make friends, it didn't yeah. matter. I always had my day ones. Yeah. But if that's not your situation, I really can't speak onto what it'd be yeah. like to be queer. Yeah. Where that like actually changes the way that people see you. 
in your social circle. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean... Because genuinely no one cares. <laughs> well, that's, that's like, the other no thing, Luke. No one the cares. Thing even about, my teachers. Yeah. When I would, like, come out and, like, my English paper but it's would be like, like, they'd be like me. Or even my, like... They'd be like, why? Why would you even write this down? Because that's the thing. Your like, teachers don't care about your, your, your dating life. They don't care. They literally could not give a and, single fuck. <laughs> Like, for high schoolers, like, if you're a high schooler who's listening to this podcast, first of all, do your homework. Second of all, <laughs> it, like, it feels like it matters so much. Like, I'm not yeah. making, like, I am making fun of myself back then, but, like, I, I still mm-hmm. remember how I felt writing those down or yeah. having conversations yeah. about queerness, like, in front of my teachers. Like, I still remember feeling like it was so important and this is something that I have mm-hmm. to share. And for mm-hmm. that, I guess coming out to the teachers and in the essays and stuff was important because I mm-hmm. felt like it made me feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, I was not shaking the table. I was not throwing the first brick at Stonewall. Like, if it, <laughs> it feels like that, I get it. Yeah, but just, like, yeah. in the same thing in my yeah. liberal days where I felt like my takes were the most revolutionary thing that has ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Getting older, yeah. looking back, I'm like... Like, you no. don't know what you know... And, like, you don't know what you don't know until you exactly. know. Like, it's just exactly. not possible. Very much that. So, and same thing for your sexuality. Same thing for your identity. Same thing for what you think your politics are. Like, it just changes because so many things change. And, like, and that's the other thing. Because so many things change, like, it's just not worth it to get too attached to how people think of you. Especially because in high school. Because these motherfuckers... And especially if you plan on going to college yeah. afterwards. And also it's like... If you plan if, on going to college afterwards... Doesn't even matter. if you don't, even if you stay in your ho- same fucking hometown, when I tell you, still doesn't it matter. does not matter. It does it, because the thing is, is that if people are gonna think of you in a certain way, they're gonna think of you in a certain way. It does not matter what you do or say that will change that. They they're gonna think of you in a way that even if it's not true to who you are, if that's what they think, that's what they think. And and you know, it's tr- the inverse is true as well. I think so many people that I went to high school with are gay, but they're never gonna know that I think that. <laughs> I think that I so many people that I want to roam this earth knowing so many of these girls are bisexual and just don't know it. No, it was some of these boys too. I'm like, men. I did not sit through literature classes oh, yeah. with these quote unquote straight boys, and for the entire for me to know from the rumors by rumor has it like going around the school. Oh my god, <laughs> is this kid gay? Is this kid gay? Which I thought was so funny because at my school, because so many of the girls are bi. And like ostensibly also had boyfriends. So many like there were like there they're like gay there were like gay dudes. There was like no lesbians, a bunch of bisexual girls who were out, and then a couple trans kids who like didn't really talk about it. Um and like that was sort of it. I mean, a couple bi guys maybe who like realized they were bi later later on in high school because their girlfriends were like, "You're not straight. You're fucking fruity, man." Like, and then that was literally the sort of for like, me. Yeah. I guess I thought that other people. <laughs> felt or thought the way that I did about boys like the same like I thought that's what <laughs> everyone thought that they were that, kind of annoying yeah. and, and people were and pretending it, like I didn't have any feelings for these people yeah. I thought that no one had feelings. I thought it was I thought it's just like actions you did like I thought it's just yeah. like going through the motions is what you did mm-hmm. and so people were like oh like I don't like like there's this meme of um I think it was on TikTok where it's like POV you're a lesbian and like you're and like truth or dare and your truth is like name the person you have a crush on and you're like going through like the boys in your class like you just like pick one at random or something <laughs> yeah or like I remember like thinking I was like what crush would be would make sense for accepted, me accepted like yeah. would make sense for me and be 
accepted in by the this group that audience. I'm around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is and so like, funny. But it's also like not yeah. like doesn't put me in competition with anyone else because I wasn't yeah. interested in <laughs> participating in You have the scheme. You have the fucking <laughs> So you're like, uh, like you're like, it's strategic, and you're just like, yeah. like crossing them off by like each condition <laughs> that you need to find it, and then like the worst fear, I thought, okay, so for me the worst fear of, of my crush coming out was like, oh no, no, I'm putting a note, and then it's gonna be a thing, yeah. and I thought that's how all girls felt about their crush being exposed because they didn't want their crush to approach them, but now I'm realizing no. that it's like an emotional vulnerability yeah. that I guess they feel. <laughs> not i was like oh my god like to me it was so embarrassing to like a guy like that is what was so deeply embarrassing about it so i tried to i tried to avoid these conversations as much as possible oh i was god. overall very successful but that's I hilarious really, like i really didn't under and i mean like until recent like until i became a lebs a, a lebsian a, <laughs> a lesbian <laughs> yeah before it became lebanese <laughs> did i realize how people who love men actually yeah. love men because as when i identified as bisexual i didn't think that it was real yeah like i still thought that the way that i felt about men was the way that people who love men <laughs> that was feel. Really yeah yeah and that's so funny that is so yeah. funny no i had a completely that's opposite experience where i had so internalized so many of the values i was taught that I, and I was just so invested in the fucking drama. I would be hanging out with all my head like oh, I love to listen to it for other people but see that was a thing i involved me but see, it would Ate always it involve me. It would it would always involve me, and I was always the one scheming. I was, and I remember sitting in the basement with my all my straight friends from middle school, and like the girl talking about like that how this kid was like feeling her up or whatever. And my friend, my friend is talking to, them, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so juicy. Let me write this down. Like <laughs> my friends would tell me about their like, first the, times like, with like boys, and I was like taking notes. Like yes, so true. <laughs> like oh and I would be like okay and then I would text her being like do you think do you think I'm gay like I had a dream about a girl and and then they would be like mm, don't even worry about it like that's normal and then we never talk about it <laughs> anyway no it was like I just always internalize that default of like if you want a life, if you want a social life, if you want something to be fun and interesting for you, you're gonna like men. Because uh, especially when I moved schools, I didn't know anyone. So it was just mm -hmm. me trying to impress every fucking person. And not that it really worked, um, which is why you shouldn't try to do that. Because, girl, like, you're impressing no one. You will never impress anyone. <laughs> like, you'll start impressing people once you stop, the d once you no longer have the desire to even impress other people. Which is the sickest shit. <laughs> like, yeah. literally the sickest shit ever. Oh, oh, also, something else I was going to note was that about the whole, like, oh, the only people you know that are gay were all, like, gay men. I kind of had, I mean, that was sort of an experience of probably when I was younger. But by the time I was in high school, it was, there was, like, one gay man that I was friends with. And everyone else, all the other gay men weren't even gay because they didn't think they were. Or <laughs> but everyone thought they were. Like, yeah, this is, this is the thing. Something about gender dynamics in high school is that everyone thinks they know which men are gay, but no one will say anything about the girls they think they're gay because they never think the girls are gay. Or if and it's also mm -hmm. reiterated by the fact that the girls who say they are gay end up being in relationships with the same guy for three years because that was a lot of my friends. And it was funny because like a lot of my friends who were queer and were the presidents of the GSAs and whatever, like, they would have dated the same guy. And they did. Like, you know, it was it was just a very interesting experience. The theater kid gay person oh. incest. Like, but also, like, it would, like, at a certain point, 
in high school, like at, at least one out of like I had I had quite a few gay friends who had lesbian parents. I didn't know anyone with gay with like two dads, but I knew lots of people with two moms or one mom because the other person left or one mom and a stepmom. Like I knew quite a few. But the thing is, is that when you're that age, you're not modeling your heterosexuality off of your parents or other people's parents. You're not modeling your homosexuality off of other people's parents. Like that's not even what is impacting you really. It's really the what's impacting you the most I think is the media that you consume and then the people that you talk with and like the people that you interact with. That's really it. And those are the only real things that matter, I think, in school, when you're in school. What you read, what you watch, and who you talk to. Like, all the people that I cared so much about in high school, I don't even think about twice anymore. All the people, all the things that I thought mattered and like would determine my worth, don't at all. And the things that I knew to be true about myself then, are not no longer true about myself. And this is true for so many of my friends who I knew all throughout high school as well. So like, you know what I mean? Don't, don't stress too much about it because it literally, it won't matter. <laughs> Everyone says that, but it literally yeah. won't. Like. <laughs> I know, I, the thing is this whole time when I was listening, I was like, I've heard this when I was that, when I was in high school and I was like, mm, but I'm different. Mm, but it doesn't apply to me. Oh, but my high school dynamic is different. No. Like that wouldn't work in my high school. And, and then the, literally the moment I graduated and then also the moment I turned 20, everything that anyone had ever told me instantly became true and I understood. Huh. So some of it is just like, I could, we could say this. You'll, you'll, you'll get it when you get story. it. And yeah, and you might, it might not do anything. I hope that this is helpful. I hope this like, this is, this, this has some weight to it, but also mm -hmm. if it doesn't, I wouldn't have believed us mm -hmm. when I was in high school either. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, I get it. I still get yeah. it if, like, you still like, want Like, truly, anything can change, and so many things did. So many people are going to reveal themselves as awful. So many people are going to end up being friends that you didn't even think that you didn't even notice to be. So many people are going to end up being gay that you didn't know that you were gay. You might end up being, like, like, girl, like, so many things can change, and so many things can and also, you just meet, oh my you meet yeah. so many new people. Oh Once my god, also, leave, if you're a queer like, girl, if you're a sapphic, if you're non-binary, you should definitely apply to Historical Women's College. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're the, if you are the raging feminist at your school, you need to go to Historical If you yeah. are the gay bitch at your school, if you are the man-hater at your school, if you're the man-eater at your school, yeah. you need to go to Historical Women's College. If, if thinking about being in a sorority makes you gag, but the idea of being close to a bunch of, like, girls and then also being close to a bunch of people who like do stick and poke tattoos and like are in bands and whatever you know what I mean like like or yeah. or people who are really who have just sticks up their asses and think they are so well, smart well I think if you like this podcast <laughs> apply to this college. college like I don't yeah. know why you're listing all these things when you're literally just describing all of our listeners. If you listen to this podcast just apply to a historically yeah. women's a lot of Swifties college. too so. um, if, if you're <laughs> yeah if you're a Swiftie yeah. But also, like, school is school. Same with high school. And those, like, school is just school. And it is what you make of it. And at the end of the day, again, what defines you is the how you change. And how you change is through the people you meet, the conversations you have, and then the media you consume. Like, that's truly it, I really think. Yeah, anyway, speaking of media we consume, let's, let's talk about Adele now. Let's talk about 30. The shared media that we consumed is 30 by Adele. Whoop, 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 whoop. Released Everyone cheered in the audience. November 19th. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And it is the fourth album by Adele, which 
I would just like to say, this is like a very popular video. Many of you probably watched it. I've seen it so many times. But it's the Carpool Karaoke with James Corden and Adele after 25 came out. And she said in that interview that this is gonna, that 25 at the time was gonna be her last album named after her age. And the reason why, cause like James Corden was like, no, I wanted an album titled like 85. And, um, you know, joking, whatever. This was before James Corden was like in every fucking movie musical and had the hate train of like, <laughs> being a rat. Yeah. So it was like before then, but it also like, this is it. So when 30 was dropping, I was like, yes, because I was so sad when she said that she wasn't going to have any more age based albums, but she did. So yeah, it was pretty iconic that she, that she went age, age, age. I love it. I, I want, I mean, she said that she doesn't want to be a performer forever or singer forever, even though I, I would love her to be like, even if her music just completely w went down, the quality went down, I would still love it. <laughs> but I like, however, however long she decides to have her career, I, I hope it's age-based mm. albums. But Actually, anyways, you know what's so funny with we, the Adele-Taylor parallels is that Adele is sitting oh, here, yeah, have so sitting back, being that. like, Ugh, I don't know whether I want to have a career, and Taylor is out here scheming, like, don't even ask me about what I'm going to be doing in 10 years, because I'm already planning, and if my career isn't even bigger than it is now, you will see me. You'll see me in 20 years, and it'll be something. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> that woman's career lives on because of the because of her narrative because of the power that she wields over it and then like the the commitment to which her fans have to her to which she's garnered you know of us and that's yeah. and we're proud um <laughs> well like taylor swift will be in an era mm -hmm. and writing the lyrics for the songs that will be her next mm -hmm. album which will then spark a new era mm -hmm. in which during that period she will mm -hmm. write the next album which will be like like, I think especially with the Red re-release, I'm like, wow, you wrote that during your Speak Now era, mm -hmm. and you look and sound completely different in the era. But, like, that's literally when you wrote Red. Mm -hmm. So, like, like that is Red. Yeah. But then the era that followed Red wrote 1989, and I'm like, girl, what is this Hannah Montana <laughs> double-edited? Or even, like, like, when she was on tour for Reputation, I'm sure she was working on songs for Lover, which is like, Huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> and in Miss Americana, she talked about, she talks about, like, being on tour and also writing, like, the music that goes in between the songs for when yeah. she's on tour. And she writes these albums thinking about what the track list is going to be for the tour. And yeah, and which ones are going to be for the stadium, for the crowd, and which ones are going to be singles, and which ones are going to... Yeah. Like, she is scheming in every single direction. She's very mm -hmm. intentional about the ways that she... And that's why she's kind of, you know, the way that, like... You know, as as Beyonce says, a lot of artists these days, in in her in her iconic, like yeah. documentary interview, where she said a lot of artists these days they don't, they're not making bodies of work. They're just popping out singles, and you know, mm -hmm. they burn out. And they also don't rehearse. They don't like put effort into their projects. I think Taylor Swift is an is the exact inverse of that, in which it is so clear how intentional she is with it, and, she, and it never stops. It's endless. There's so much material. Yeah. She's always working on something new, and I think Adele is like she she's a Taurus. She's a Taurus. Well, <laughs> that yeah, woman is not working Adele, on shit. Between <laughs> like in her recent interview on the Vogue. 73 questions, but it was more than 73 questions, so it was, like, mm -hmm. that series of interviews. Yes. But she said that, like, when she played 
I think it was easy on me. Yeah, easy on me for the first time to like her agent and like producer and like her friends like when she's testing mm-hmm. it on her friends and family like their first reaction was like oh it's just nice to hear you sing again because she's <laughs> they had heard you sing. when when she's not like making music and mm-hmm. touring like when she's not performing she doesn't sing <laughs> like, Do any like, of that shit. like this is yeah. not her 24 7 like she's like obviously she's like incredibly wealthy and famous but like yeah she's like just a regular person yeah i I feel like adele is sort of maybe even the sort of in between of like a beyonce figure and a taylor swift figure i was gonna say where like like beyonce taylor swift and adele make this like triangle of like performance but i also think they're like the most yeah they're gonna be like when this era of music and pop culture Mm -hmm. studied those are going yeah. to be the biggest yeah. names. Yeah. Like, in terms of content, mm-hmm. quality, personality, mm-hmm. fan base. And probably, I'd put Nicki Minaj in there mm-hmm. as well, but in terms of, like, being a singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. and also just, like, the longevity and the various forms of mm-hmm. their careers, mm-hmm. I definitely think that, like, those three, they're running shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Long term. With that, this episode mm-hmm. is about 30 by Adele, and so I think we should get into our rankings to inform yes our conversation yes should we start from the bottom up because it's 12 songs so yeah. i feel like like even the lowest song for me i still really like it's just that there's not yeah a lot of songs like i said off this episode but in compare listening to this after red it's like red had so many songs <laughs> like uh-huh. like this song this album has 12 songs that's not even half yeah. of yeah red yeah taylor not version even, right so it's all so like keeping track of, of this is so much easier yeah. than for yeah. red but also in yeah. a way because there's so few songs and i like so many of them ranking them was hard because there's so few yeah. high spots yeah. i was like my top 10 favorite songs off of red is so many and i love them all and there's mm-hmm. still 20 more songs after that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so no that makes sense i mean i was looking through our previous episodes and stuff and the other the other albums that we've listened to and reviewed besides Red Taylor's version was Sour by Olivia Rodrigo and yeah. Solar Power by Lord, both of which you were haters for and both of which I enjoyed and still enjoy. And mm-hmm. we are finally reversing this trend in which I'm the hater, but not to the degree that you were for either of those albums. <laughs> I am not a hater like Renaissance is a hater. No, well, I'm at really, least in terms I of media. I was so happy in the... In the responses to the episode thus far that we literally put out today people finally like my album rankings and like agree with me and this is the first time this has ever happened i've always been fighting for my life at every single album and finally now i'm being heard and understood by listeners and i couldn't appreciate it more thank you for appreciating my rankings of red because and thinking that they make sense at least for me because like people also agree with your rankings but like like seeing my rankings as valid and i just want to say thank you thank you for allowing me to have <laughs> this moment of, of having socially <laughs> of being vindicated song rankings that so, is hilarious i hope i don't fail you again yeah yeah for me the songs that i yeah. like are the marginal so my top like three four five are like in terms of the structure of my ranking top three or four are the songs that like i will actually listen to the rest of them are songs i I really won't or that i can recognize as good but i don't like and then the ones at the bottom are songs i don't like and can barely listen to (laughs) like 
So that's where I'm going from. My structure, top one, I will listen to and like artistically for top one and two. Three and mm-hmm. four are songs that I think um, that I will listen to a lot and I really, really like, but I think are a little bit less artistically successful as one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, five through eight are songs that I won't skip and I really enjoy, mm-hmm. but are not my favorite favorites. Mm-hmm. And then nine through 12 are songs that I probably won't skip because I don't skip any Adele songs, <laughs> but... Yeah. I'm not gonna be adding on to the queue right. if you know what I mean. No, like when fair, I come to the fair. shower, they're not gonna yeah. be on my automatic yeah, yeah, yeah. queue. No, that's how I feel like, about that's how I feel about like most Taylor albums, like you know, Lord albums. There's like, so many Taylor songs. Okay. Where it's like there's I will okay. listen to all of the songs, but the songs that are going mm-hmm. on the queue, those are the ones that are going on the queue. Even though everyone jokes about how Solar Power is forgettable, I regularly listen to Solar Power, and I can mm-hmm. press shuffle and like have a good time, you know. <laughs> Like, it doesn't matter. Unrelatable. Unrelatable Like, I, like, for me, especially with now that the deluxe mm-hmm. version is out, oh my god, perfect. With writers like Lord, like, Taylor Swift, like, uh, I don't know, like, they, okay, Lord, Lord and Taylor Swift are, I feel like, narrative writers. They're, they're poetic writers. They're, whereas mm-hmm. I feel like someone, I, I feel like Olivia Rodrigo, I feel like Adele, like, they are, like, they are songwriters. Okay, don't ever put Olivia Rodrigo and Adele in the same sentence. No, but o- ever. <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo like was like seventeen when she wrote these songs. Like that's but and I'm I'm comparing it to thirty right now. But what I'm saying is that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Adele writes. It, no, the, I'm songs. saying I'm saying like oh like the, those love ballads. It's it's this it's si- yeah. similar structure, same message, simple communication of it. It's like it is that is what you feel, and this is how you're expressing it. Whereas like it's not necessarily storytelling. It's more of just like yeah, I am sad. But, I am sad. Like you know, like. But I think like like the, but this is what I mean is that like Adele, she writes songs, and the way like a poet writes poetry, like poets don't write narrative novels you know and with lord and taylor swift they write narratives that are mm. put to music if, if if you took away music from taylor swift she would still be writing stories whereas with adele if there wasn't music i'm not sure yeah what, because what her writing voice would be produced. is what her voice her, is what her drives voice is her talent her yeah. writing yes Olivia's, um, she is a son of Taylor, right? Like, she, or that's what she says, mm-hmm. right? But when you look at her chorus, where she's, like, in Traitor, where she's like, you betrayed me, and I know you'll never feel sorry for the way I hurt. You talked to her when we were still together, loved you at your worst, but that didn't matter. Like, this is, th- this is not, like, this is not, like, pen. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, <laughs> this is yeah. not. No, 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 no. no. Whereas, no. and, like, when in, in the chorus of Easy On Me, Adele says, go, go easy on me, baby. I was still a child. Didn't get the chance to feel the world around me. I had no time to choose what I chose to do. So go easy on me, right? I love that. Where it's like but very... Yeah, but also the point of that song is to speak directly <laughs> to the public. Like, like that... I, and, but also I think the thing is that this album, sp- particularly, specifically, is supposed to be conversational. Like, she said mm-hmm. multiple times that this album is for her son and also, like, partly for the public. To, She's like, a let son? Them- in on it? I thought it was a daughter. Do- I thought she had a daughter. Okay, anyway. Okay. I don't but, I don't keep up with this shit. I don't really care. So Again I with think, the British I celebrities I don't said- know anything about. <laughs> like I don't know anything about her. I literally had to be like, wait, why did she get divorced? Like, I looked this shit up. <laughs> I'm so 
such a stan. I'm so, I like I'm just an adult stan. Have been, always will be. Cause someday it's I'll be everything to somebody to else, and they'll think that I'm so exciting, and you'll be the one who's crying. That's get. What do you mean? That is giving what Adele was writing when she was 19. You know what I mean? Like, it's not giving. It's not giving love uh, story. It's not giving. It's no, not giving. Day, Daydreamer is is more imaginative than that, which is from 19. I don't know these albums. I couldn't. But what I'm saying is that it's like like melt my heart to stone is more imaginative. But I definitely. But the thing is, is like that, they're writing like, about Adele's, like. When you when you talk, all of these women are writing about relationships. They're all writing about uh, ostensibly okay. their you, yes, their young relationships with men. But I'm talking about how the different ways that they do it. Adele is not like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Olivia Rodrigo is no, somewhat no, 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 no. like Taylor no. Swift. Taylor Swift and Lord similar. Lord and yes. Olivia Rodrigo not at all the same. Olivia Rodrigo and Adele no. more similar than the other ones. I think. I think that with Adele, though, I feel like her lyrics sound much more intentionally like letters. She does She does a lot of you. She talks to you a lot. Like, First Love off of 19, that's like singing a letter. Make You Feel My Love is a letter. Mm. Even Rolling in the Deep or, or like Don't You Remember. Yeah. She's speaking to someone. She, it's directed toward a specific audience. It's not just looking in on something. Like a well-written letter isn't something that's supposed to be compared to a collection of short stories. If someone were to compare Adele's writing or Adele's discography to Taylor's discography, Taylor's albums are like a collection of short stories. Whereas Adele's is like when publishing houses publish books of the letters of a famous writer, you know? Like it's mm -hmm. not their writing. But it is. And that's how I feel about Adele, mm. which I think that style of writing is a lot different than having, not like an, like an immature writing, but it, like something that's like generic. Like it's not generic, but obviously you feel like you understand it because it feels like it's written to be spoken to you, you know? Because it's you, it's a general, it's a specific you that can be generalized. Exactly. Yeah, but I guess so like... I think, the... I think there's like a gift in that. Because the ability to make something that you know millions of people are going to listen to feel personal in itself is an aspect of talented writing like when i mm -hmm. listen to taylor swift i feel like i know something about taylor swift that she's only telling me mm -hmm. and the same way with adele like when i listen to adele i'm like no one has ever listened to this adele song like the way that i'm listening to this adele song <laughs> like i even though i, I know that that's not true mm-hmm but the way that they go about doing those things is different, mm. but the product of that writing, the product of that good writing is the same. Mm. My personal taste just like leaned more into something that implies the feelings to which I'm supposed That's why I'm a literary fiction reader. I like things that well, yeah. imply the, the emotions that we're supposed to feel instead of telling me what I'm feeling. I don't like reading the letters of people I don't like. I don't really care about their lives. Mm -hmm. Tell me, give me some characters. Okay, so wait, I'll go first since you went first with the last one with Red. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So my number 12 is To Be Loved. <laughs> Whoa. Because it's six minutes long and it's boring and I hate how her voice sounds at the end. I hate it. It makes my ears hurt. I don't like when people... I don't, like I have, I have more of a belty low voice, so I can't stand it when other people do that. 
especially when there's a lot of power behind it and a lot of vibrato. Like, I don't like it. That's why I like, that's why I like Taylor, Olivia, and Lord's voices. It's not that powerful. It's kind of light. I mean, honestly, yeah, but I was gonna, I was gonna make a generalization about a portion of the album, but that's gonna be spoilers. I'll say it at the end. Anyway, what is okay. your number 12? My number 12 is I Drink Wine. Oh, okay, that's in my, that's in my bottom tier as well. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's just not going on cue. Like I, said, I don't skip Adele songs. That's just not something that I do. But it's against your it's religion, just, so yeah. There's multiple Adele complete discography playlists on Spotify. I made my own because of just how frequently I listen to her discography in full. I don't see this being like, oh my gosh, you need to listen to the song today. And the way that I other songs off this album. I will need my daily fix of these songs. And it's just not one of them. <laughs> okay. So. Um, wait, where's To Be Loved on your ranking? Like, generally speaking. Top half, bottom half, like? Uh, mid. Okay. So it's my... Not super high. But my, it's not 12. God. <laughs> well, I, a lot of these songs would be 12 if I could. If I could, but I can't. So 11 is Hold On. For similar Same. reasons. Same. Yeah, similar reasons in which it's like it's long and it's like I'm like this is kind of boring. Like come on, let's go, let's go. Like I mean, there are portions of it that I'm like, okay, this is fun. But then there are other portions that I'm like, get on with Wait, it, girl, on. hurry up. It will be played on very specific days and for very specific emotions. <laughs> and I know that in the on those days and during those emotions, I will be like, she wrote this knowing that this was gonna happen in my life, and she knew that I was gonna need this song, and this is why specifically it was produced for me. However, it's definitely not gonna be my 24-7 state of being. Therefore, I don't see this being played that often. It's very yeah. much gonna be a situational obsession. So mm. what's number okay. 10? My number 10 is I drink wine, so. My number 10 is Woman Like Me. That was made for her ex-husband. I hope he never shows his face in public again because if I heard that song, it'd be a wrap <laughs> for me personally. But since I'm not the subject of that song, I'm just I'm just gonna let her do her thing. You know, you do you, Adele. Uh, okay, my number nine is "Easy on Me." It's mid for me. It was a mid piano ballad, like whatever. Girl, we've heard this before. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, what's your number nine? My number nine is uh, Love is a Game. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my number eight. Which so. I really like Love is a Game, mm-hmm. but I like so... Once once I had six songs left, it became very difficult, so it, it just got bumped. My eight is To Be Loved, mm, which is your 12. Or, yeah. 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 I liked it. My seven is Woman Like Me. Because I like mm. the beat, I like the tune, I like the, like I, I like the story it's telling of like men ain't shit, you know. Um, yeah, what's your number seven? My number seven is Can I Get It. Mm. Okay, yeah, my number six is My Little Love. Oh, very close to mine. But my number six is All Night Parking, the interlude. Mm. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I really like the interlude too, but because again, I don't really like a lot of I don't I don't really, really enjoy a lot of these songs, so that's why it's all night parking interlude is way up there because that's a song that I genuinely like, like on mm-hmm. its own. Yeah, same. But number f- my number five song is Can I Get It? Okay, not too far off. My number five is My Little Love. 
Okay, yeah, similar. Um, so my number four is Strangers by Nature. What a beautiful opening song. Interesting. Yes. My number four is Oh My God. I love this song. Let me just say, this is not in fourth place because I think it is like for a derogatory. This is not for derogatory. derogatory. This is for complimentary. I was like tweeting about the song that played before and like writing it. And then Oh My God started and I was like, no, like literally Oh My God. Like, I tweeted that too. How long has this been in your silly little laptop not being <laughs> pumped into my ears, directly into my brain? This is for complimentary, but I have my other reasons for my top three, so. Gotcha. My number three is All Night, Parking Interlude. I love this song. It's so great. It's so good. It's very, really like, it. It was almost lo-fi, hip-hop beats, <laughs> but, like, with a little jazzy ballad in there. So cute. Mm-hmm. Love that. So what's your number three? My number three is Easy On Me, which I find it very interesting that you think this is mid and something that you've heard before, because to me, Easy On Me reminds me a lot of Nothing New by, off of of the the track. In in terms, in terms of, not the, the, like, writing style, Mm -hmm. like, like, for different... Or the message, you, you think that the message is similar? Yes, because I think Easy On Me... It's like Adele is like 30 now. Like she's not the 19 year old mm-hmm. that was wild, much more successful than she thought she's going to be and she produced that song. She's not 21 with that album anymore that literally every single song on that album became a, a, hit. a bonafide radio yeah. hit beloved by the public. She is not a mid-20s new mother anymore that's mm-hmm. so exciting for everyone to see about her career. She's like, I'm now a woman who is divorced, who has a kid who's, like, you know, mm-hmm. growing up, and I haven't made music in a long time, and all mm-hmm. of you have this preconceived notion of me. The, very much like how Taylor was like, once you get you know, new artist of the year, mm-hmm. what do you do after that? Mm-hmm. I think, like, Easy On Me is being, like, older, nothing new. <laughs> like, like, like... Later Taylor on writing, in life. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor you're farther writing. down the career lane. Exactly. Yeah, so Anyways, my number, number two, two is Cry Your Heart Out. I love this song. Same! Same! Yeah. It's we have so, so many samesies. Yeah. And, like, neighboring yeah. songs. Yeah, and my number one is Oh My God. Because I love Oh My God. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. literally so Like, the songs that I'm going to add to playlists and, like, put in my like songs is definitely mm-hmm. the first four to six song, Like, the first mm-hmm. half of the... And what I was going to... The generalization I was going to make is that I think this album gets worse the later on you go. Same. Because like, my I think after song, the interlude... I haven't said my number one song. But there's only one left. <laughs> I know. It's Strangers by Nature, but I want to talk about it. Not Strangers by Nature being your first song and the first song that I think no, that makes because sense because it gets what, best to worst like I was literally when I when I said that I was like there's no way that the first song on the album is going to be my most liked song your and most beloved working. and then it was <laughs> and to be honest probably like oh my god cry my heart out and easy by nature are all my favorite of the different sounds that she has on this album you know like cry my heart out is like a little bit more upbeat, but still has, like, the jazzy aspect. Yeah, yeah. Oh My God has much more modern sounds to yeah. it. Like, modern music sounds yeah. to it. And Strangers by Nature is definitely, like, 
vintage slower yes vintage a lot more kind of like classic adele it's very it's very meta also and yeah yeah yeah. this album in general i like as we were listening to it i was like oh this is ranked best to worst (laughs) yeah like respectfully but like the top because it's a it's a 12 album 12 song album the first six songs literally banger after banger after banger after banger yeah the last six are still good because they're dumb yeah but in comparison to the first six not as strong interesting Interesting. it's like comparing like five out of five to like three out of fives like getting a three out of five is not bad but when you have (laughs) six five five out of five right before that it's kind of right before yeah yeah which is why taylor swift was so evil for dropping folklore because it was banger after banger after banger after banger after like there was no (laughs) there's no i remember listening and being like and being like wait a minute this is and then when and then for the songs i was like wait no this i don't like this three months later i was Mm -hmm. like no this is a fun it's hit after hit what do you mean like whereas Mm -hmm. i can tell that five months from now i'm not even gonna remember what the songs i disliked sound like in fact i'm not even gonna want to know what they sound like i'm gonna be like yeah "Mm." i mean i think i kind of felt this way about 25 like when 25 came out i definitely had my favorite songs and 25 definitely has less radio hits than 21 did, where, like, I think mm-hmm. all but one or maybe two songs were played. <laughs> we're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, the singles off of 25 are the singles off of 25. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's like, everyone knows Hello. Yeah. But you don't know everyone. I remember singing that song. Yeah, Slay. Yeah. Whereas, like, with 30, I think it's much more like 25, and that we'll know the songs that we'll know. And if you are not an Adele fan, or you don't go out of your way to listen to the rest of the album, you might not hear the whole album. You cannot listen to a radio station when 21 was playing and not know every single song off the album. Like, it's just impossible. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to yeah. the radio station for more than well, do you minutes, think that the Well, do you think that the commercial success of that album was a reflection of its artistic success? Or do you think that it was, like, overrated in comparison to her other albums? Or do you think it was appropriately hyped for what it was I think it compared was to her other work? Appropriately hyped for what it was and the time that it was. I think a lot like Taylor's. Okay, so okay, this is the other thing that we've kind of touched on, but not really that I want to get into, is that Adele is like I think in this album you can hear it the most is like a son of like Whitney Houston. Like, that is the vocal stylings that Mm -hmm. she reflects. Like, the Aretha Franklins and Etta James. And she sounds a lot like Amy Winehouse. Um, And some of these songs, I'm like, oh, this could be... Those, like, American, Southern girls. Like, she loves loves a traumatized American girl (laughs) voice. Also, like, Amy Winehouse sounded black. (laughs) Like, like British artists, British R&B artists don't aren't black people like sam smith adele and amy winehouse and like dusty springfield covered aretha franklin songs the white europeans For- love a good love a good american south american black culture moment yeah like- i think in terms of like 21 like it was in the same time that the lonely hour by sam smith yeah. was also yeah. incredibly popular like that's just kind of like the sound of the music i don't know why there's this like global heartbreak from <laughs> yeah. like 2010 to 2015 yeah but ballads Everyone about was having your heart broken crooning. yeah 21 is like the red of taylor swift yeah. which i talked about in the episode that yeah. just came out and that the environment for both of these out like that both of the writers were in and performers were 
similar, like different, but similar. So in the way that we're never getting back together is a song about screaming at the top of your lungs. Mm -hmm. You're never, ever going to date this person Mm -hmm. again. It's like very much the same cultural zeitgeist that made so many of the songs off of 21 popular. It's like they literally came out at like the same time. So that's why I think it was popular, but also it's still good. Like I still go back to listen to it. I think artistically, I think a lot of the songs off of 21 sound similar to each other. But sometimes if you need to say something 10 times, sometimes you just need mm-hmm. to say it 10 times. And I think it also, it would be inappropriate for like to Frankenstein the yeah. albums. Like if you really liked one chorus, it wouldn't make sense to put it in between the verses of other songs off of 21. Yeah. And I think like 19 and 25, the albums that like sandwich it, I think there's a bit more diversity in the sounds yeah. of those songs. Yeah. And I think there's more diversity in 30, 30 as yeah, well. For sure. But I think like going from 19 to 21, there's a decrease in the diversity of sounds. Mm-hmm. Which so is what that, allowed like, 21 to be so popular, it seems. Yeah. Because there was a there was but, a formula and it was followed. Yeah. <laughs> Understood and, um, the assignment, etc. Like And her vocals, I think 21 really shows how vocally forged yeah, she is as an yeah. artist. Because almost every like every song is a belting song. Those songs, there's a lot of parallels. Like, I feel like one thing that I noticed with 30, sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but that's because I know Adele's discography. Crime Your Heart Out, which is my number two, and also your number two, we had this one share, mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of Right As Rain from 19. Like, mm-hmm. those songs, sister songs. Mm-hmm. Can I Get It reminds me a lot of My Same from 19. Also, Miss You from 25. And love song from twenty one, like uh, like, wow. she has one of those songs, an album, and that is that song for each of those albums. When I was listening to thirty, I'm like, oh, you you like a series, like you like to have one of this genre of song in every single one of your albums. This is like a series of songs, like like there's like you can see her maturity mm-hmm. in these songs from Daydreamer to He Won't Go to Remedy to also love is a game. Like there's this moment where like love is like young and fun and flirty and you have your first heartbreak. And then 21 is almost like this obsession, like love negative, love derogatory. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you are not good together, but you cannot separate. 25 feels much more like you're older, but you're trying to work through the relationship Mm -hmm. it's like it's not where it was fun and flirty and it didn't really matter it's not where it's like like you've had these fights and now you're trying to have like a mature relationship on the other side of it and 30 is like actually fuck it (laughs) like the only person i love is my kid Mm -hmm. and my family and romantic love can happen doesn't have to happen Mm -hmm. i think also having love is a game as the last song on the album is like very intentional. I liked Love is a Game. I placed it at mid at nine. Just because I don't think I'm going to listen to it on repeat, but I like it. I it's think a good it's ending so, song. It is, and, it, 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 and it ties back to Strangers by Nature well. It, exactly. Musically. Ending the album and it's starting over, like it sounds right. Like, and yeah. also as like the last song in her discography, because it's the last song off of her latest album. So like if you listen to her entire discography, and then the the title of the last song to her name is Love is a Game, mm. after everything that we've heard from her, mm-hmm. it's kind of like very smart. Because it's yeah. like, all this, this shit. whole time, yeah. 
it's been your entire life. Yeah. And you've dedicated everything to these different kinds of loves and your different observations yeah. on love. And now it's just like... It's a game. Bah. Yeah. So I guess it's similar to what we were that. saying earlier with, like, girl, none of this shit matters once you get to the end of it. And you, you mm-hmm. don't even know. You don't even know that you're at the end until you're looking back. You don't even mm-hmm. know what's changed and how you're going to change until you're on the other side of it. So... Like, yes, when you're in the moment, you feel that way. But, you know, then you're recording all too well. Ten-minute version. Ten years later. And then it's like, well, <laughs> never mind. Like, you know. So, yeah, I feel like this this cyclical nature of life and womanhood and being, being a woman and love and girlhood, adolescence, coming of age, thematically relevant. It's true. But yeah, I personally like this album. I definitely think that it shows maturity for What's your Adele. ranking of her albums now that 30 is out? Okay, when I was listening to the first six songs, I thought the entire album was going to be like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is going to be her best work that she's ever produced. However, the second half, I'm not going to lie, disappointed me just a little bit. Because it became more traditional, more of what you expected and not what you mm-hmm. got at the beginning. Like, because I mean, I think I would have loved this album if every song mm-hmm. surprised me in the way that the first four to five, six yeah. songs surprised me. Yeah. If I was pleasantly surprised. But then it started sounding like, oh, this is an Adele ballad. And I'm like, and I mean, yes, a lot but of people I love that. A lot love- of people think those are awesome. But once you've already set up five songs that all sound like, oh, this is Adele, but this is her doing something different. And then you go back to it. I'm like, no, bring me, give me the new stuff. That's what I liked. And then you go back to something that I'm like, this is pretty standard. Not that the standard was bad, but like. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I eat up. I was, I was actually expecting more Adele sounding piano albums or Adele sounding piano ballads. And I was going to get From this album. <laughs> you yeah. were expecting that. You were like, let me get that. Yeah. That's yeah, what a lot of so- people were saying. I felt like there's, like, a, a surprising lack of those, which in the beginning surprised me, but then I wish she returned it to the sound. Like, if she's going to have the last six songs, part of me wishes they sound like that, but also, like, she's not she's not that girl. She's not that girl anymore. <laughs> so I feel artistically it's unfair yeah. for me to hold her to that standard. But in terms of being a stan, I, I, it's hard for me to decipher which albums I like for nostalgic reasons and which albums I like because I think they're better mm-hmm. because like my heart wants to say that my favorite album is and always will be 19 because mm-hmm. that was like the first Adele album that I listened to and mm-hmm. I just listened to it the longest 21 I love but it's so popular it's kind of like saying that your favorite sitcom is The Office it's like yeah it's <laughs> everyone's favorite sitcom like that doesn't mean that I don't love The Office like I do yeah yeah. But if I'm going to say yeah. that that's my favorite sitcom, like, yeah. I might as well not give But see, this is the thing. Because... This is why I love being a Taylor Swift stan. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's no right answer to what is your favorite album. <laughs> like, there's only, no. there's only, this is why I love this. This is why I love that. And then if so, if you walk up to any person on the street, they're probably going to be like, speak now. Or fearless. Because mm-hmm. that's what they remember her for. Which is interesting because her cultural impact is so much more than that. And all, it, mm-hmm. you know? But it's like, I think that's funny. Whereas with people like Dell and Beyonce, like, there are right answers to yes, <laughs> what is your favorite album. And, like, for 25, I think 25 is her strongest vocally and lyrically. Like, it's the full package. Mm. And, like, Hello was 
so incredibly commercially successful. It really doesn't matter if any of the other yeah. songs were commercially successful, but they weren't. Like she, <laughs> yeah. that's that one another difference between Adele and Taylor Swift. They have their similarities. One difference. Adele knows how to pick a single. Adele, she, I was telling you, the singles are good. you are only going to listen to one song of her album... It is the single. You know it's going to be one of the best songs off the album. She's not going to give you a single that isn't representative of the uh, album. Yeah, exactly. It represents the album. Like, even though I don't think Easy yeah. On Me is the best song on the album by a long shot, I still think yeah. that it's a good single because it represents the album. Whereas, should me have been a single <laughs> of Lovers? You know? Should you need to calm down? Should look at what you made me do be the single off of Reputation? Should should shake it off have been the 1989 single? And and also she is fucked. She is fucked and that she's fucked in the head for choosing the deluxe (laughs) the 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 deluxe songs to be what they are. Oh, girl, uh, no. Like, right The Lakes should have been only... on Folklore, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Epiphany could have been Deluxe. Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Like, Right Where You Left Me, neat, Right Where You Left Me, Long Story, like, should have been next to Long Story Short, because that's mm-hmm. what, Evermore could have been the Deluxe, to be quite honest. Like, like guys. 100%. It would have made so much more sense, because Evermore, in Evermore, she has the title track song in it towards mm-hmm. the end. But folklore, there's no title track song in there. So let's be a little consistent. Let's be more consistent. So something about Adele is that you can expect some fucking consistency. Taylor yes. Swift, I would like to see it. <laughs> it's kind of like the one clip from um, the mom Holly off off of um, Dance Moms, where it was like, was it graceful? No. Was it was it polished? No. But was it entertaining? Or she was like, no, no, it wasn't any of those things. But was it entertaining? Yes. And that's how I feel looking at whatever singles Taylor Swift picks for her albums. I'm like, was it graceful? No. <laughs> was it polished? No. It wasn't yeah. any of those things. It is interesting well, to see people completely misunderstand your album because you refuse yeah. to pick the songs yeah. that represent the album most. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I think Willow and summer. Cardigan were fine. Are fine. But those, those I don't even fine. think that they that they are fully encompassing of the album. But no. like, no, that's the thing. With Lover, it's like, it should have been Cruel Summer. It should have been Defined Open Cuts. It should have been Paper Rings. It should have... Like, in terms, of, in terms of single, Lover, oh. the album, amazing Incredible. album. Amazing. One of her best albums and she picked not only the worst songs off the album, so arguably the worst songs in her discography. In her fucking as the discography. Singles for one of the best albums I've ever heard. The fucking oh. mental blocks <laughs> Me. that you have to work through if you start with the singles to love her. Like, like you, you almost don't want to like the rest of the album. And see, that's why my friends, I would be like, guys, you guys need to listen to Lover, and they would be like, the song with the me on it, the I, album with I the stopped, me. I stopped, I stopped suggesting because they associate it. it it's yeah. embarrassing. It's like I might as well put on a clown mask every time that I recommend Lover because there's no yeah, way to, to disassociate know that it from Miss yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Prince on the same album the as album. me. Like, if you're telling me that. Like, the, the album that has the lyrics, spelling is fun, for the fucking word me, has has paper rings on it. Taylor Swift, I'm in your walls. Like, why would you ever put me in that position? Why would you ever put me in that position? Like, there's no, there's no number of times that I can watch the Miss Americana documentary and not absolutely hate that Watch she made that throttle song. her, yeah. Like, yeah. I want to jump through my screen and be like, stop. I love your pen. 
I needed to set it down. I needed to take a walk. I needed to do a couple laps. Like, the fact that Look What You Made Me Do was also Girl. the first impression of reputation. <sighs> Why no. would you put me in that position? When you put dress and Look What You Made Me Do. I, like, Getaway color? Delicate? Like, guys. <laughs> when she... On one of her interviews, she said, she's like, they'll let me know if they think it's a different <laughs> Yeah, song I was about to bring that up. I was, like, I was about exactly. to bring that up. And you heard us. You heard you us heard loud. Us. I remember when Lover, the singles for Lover dropped. And my Swifty friends disappointed at AF. I didn't care at the time because I wasn't invested. And like, I was disappointed. I was, uh, because I wanted to defend her off so of the bad. hate that she's been giving, getting, <laughs> yeah. especially doing the reputation. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guys, a new album's going to come out. It's going to be so different. You're going to like Taylor Swift again. And then fucking me drop with Brent. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, you know what? I might just, I, I should have just left you here. Girl, you can You, you should have kn- known that you were not bisexual. When was, that happened, <laughs> a Brendan Leary. Like I was like, not only do I have to get shit because I'm black and a Swifty. Which, by the way, if you're black and listening to this podcast and you're a Swifty, let me have you on call because I cannot. I can't. I can't. I can't have other people looking at me and being like, "Oh, I can't listen to Taylor Swift because she's white." And the rage that it fills me with, but I can express that because then look, look, look at what position I'm in. Me, a black Marxist feminist defending Taylor Swift. I can't keep doing this. I cannot keep doing this. So, Taylor Swift, I need two things from you. I need to pick better singles. Anyways, I could have a whole other rant about, especially with the Red release, and me being like, oh, do you listen to Taylor Swift? And I'd be like, no, I think she's annoying. Or, no, because she's a white feminist. Or, I don't listen to Taylor Swift because she's white. And same with Adele. I keep getting this. And I was like, what is not getting through your mind <laughs> that is uh, non-topical yeah. to the discussion? Yeah. There's no reason, yeah. that there's no evidence for you to hate her on, on, on that basis. Yeah. On like, no, I don't like Taylor Swift be- or I don't listen to her because she's a white feminist. Where? What are you Where? talking about? Yeah. And this is the other like, thing, though. Like, I think it's like, interesting. Oh, she makes, like, white mm-hmm. woman music. What? What, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I can't. That's a completely different conversation. But, like, Taylor Swift, like, I don't know what you need to do. Like, that's for you to figure out. But, like... I cannot keep finding myself in this situation. Oh my god. But I think that could really start with is if when I say, have you listened to this album? And the first singles that come to their mind aren't some of the worst songs you've ever written when you're literally a genius songwriter would really help me. Like, it would help me so much. Like, as a personal favor. We titled this podcast episode an open letter to Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, honestly, like, like bonus content. And, like, just add it. Like, edit it out and add it directly to her. And be like, Taylor, Taylor. I needed to pick better singles, babe. Listen. Listen. We're, de- we're risking our lives out here defending you on the streets, also, on the internet. If, if we are one of, the, one of the little Swifty accounts that you lurk on that... Because you're always online. If you if you do happen to be listening to this, Miss Taylor Swift, first of all, I love you. Second of all, why are we getting all of these re-released albums when I know there's a third sister album to Folklore and Evermore? I know you have it on your silly little laptop covered in your silly little cat hair. And I want... Like, like I... <laughs> I know you have written more things with Aaron Dessner. You have him locked up and chained in your basement. <laughs> And as, as excited as I am for 1989 Taylor's version and Reputation Taylor's version specifically, where is that third album? Where is it? Like, let's get it, and then we can 
then I'm I'm open ears for the re-release album. That's TS10, right? This is what we're waiting for. Yeah. I would like to see it. Like, is she getting through all of her re-recordings before putting out a new album? Is she... I would like to see some plans, Taylor. I know you like to be secretive. But, like, Folklore and Evermore came out when she fully knew that she was doing her re-recorded albums. Like, why two-thirds? And she's, if there isn't a third album, so why were there three scrunchies? Okay? You are now in the court of public opinion. Okay, like, this is a, a cross-question, mm. examination, whatever yeah. the fuck it's called. Where is that third album? Anyways. Ugh. So, okay. Time to do recommendations. It, it's time. It's time. It I, is. I, I'll be surprised if, if a quarter of what I just said makes it into the final episode. <laughs> but my... I think... Okay. My recommendation... I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. I think is 19. I don't know if you've ever listened to all of 19. No. Obviously, it's I very popular. I hate the album cover so much. Oh, it's one of her worst. But the thing like, is that it, like, this it is looks the thing. good at the time. It, it's one of the few things she's done that's aged terribly. Right. right. No. But also, it was, like, back when she, like, it was before she was Adele, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, she's like, just it was like a, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it is, it is, it is my least favorite album cover. Album you covers and book covers, if they're ugly, I'm not picking that shit up. It makes me mad. It makes me angry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're telling me a whole marketing team that... The, the hundreds of people that made this media possible, everyone mm-hmm. said, yeah, that's okay. We can do that. And I feel the same way about the single situation with Taylor. It's like, everyone yesed this? Everyone said, no, I feel yes. Like, oh, or to like Lana Del Rey's album covers recently. It's like, you're telling me that the same person who made your album covers for fucking Paradise and like Ultraviolet and, you know, Icon and like, honeymoon iconic covers you're telling me you can you're you can only serve pit crew now it's just so bizarre to me (laughs) Uh. so like that is a fair criticism of 19 i see you i hear you okay i stand with you but artistically i just think that 30 is a very full circle moment Mm -hmm. i think that all of the adele stands who became adele stands either in 21 and 25 who didn't take the time to go back to listen to 19 this would be a very good time to revisit that it's a very good time to revisit the rest of her discography like 19 the seeds are there we Mm. knew exactly who adele was going to become from the first moment we heard her and Mm. i think she's just she's proven that every single time Mm. And sometimes she subverts that expectation in a way that is still what she promised she's going to become from the beginning. Yeah, I and wonder what the charts really look like right now. I'm just, I, I never really check. I used to check all the time because that's how I figured out what music was. I would go mm-hmm. on Spotify and be like, so what's popular right now? Oh my gosh, uh, Adele is the fifth most popular artist on Spotify in the world. I think the other day Taylor Swift was at like 17. For some reason, I don't know why. Oh, she's at 15 right now. Good for you, Taylor Swift. Justin Justin Bieber is the most what? listened to artist on Spotify, and the I don't hell? get it. I don't know how. I haven't Literally, known anyone who's listened to him for so long. I think Ariana Grande is in the top. One night, one night she surpassed Justin Bieber, and I could not have been happier. <laughs> but I think that um, Justin Bieber went back up. Okay, anyways, so finally, it's time for Sunny to go back to Sunny's roots with a book mm-hmm. recommendation. You Woo! were talking about 
short story collections and I was like you know and then we were talking about like the church and black American southern culture and its impact mm-hmm. on pop culture and music so I was there's this book came out in 2020 called The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia and it's from the perspectives of young girls to old women in a black church in the south who all sort of kind of know each other the first and each story is kind of structured differently the first story is structured as a letter um from a bunch of sisters to their sister that they didn't know because their father like left and had another sister that they didn't know about until he died and then the next there are other stories there's one about like apple pie and it's from the perspective of a daughter whose mother like fucks the preacher every weekend even though he's like married and has kids and like the way that she bakes him an apple pie every weekend and our main character the daughter isn't allowed to eat it because he eats the entire thing every time so she mm-hmm. you you've told me about this story before but you haven't recommended it on the pod but I yeah. remember that one. So that's one of the stories. And then there's another, there's like other, there's a diary entry story, like short story that's sort of a dialogue between grandma and her gay daughter, like, like granddaughter, who's like definitely like, like a stud, like, and the way that she like lusts after the pastor's wife, who is like a MILF. <laughs> and then we also Relatable. see, we also see the, um, there's a character who's like a mid middle-aged teacher or yeah and like her romance life like it's a lot of queer narratives it's a lot of just narratives about womanhood and like aging and also coming of age and learning how to like love yourself and then also these tense familial relationships and then these like really complicated romantic scenarios and how it's all tied up to a very specific type of black southern christian culture and the ways that you deviate from it, and the ways that it shapes you, and it's such a beautiful short story collection, and it's just so fucking good, and so underrated. It's so beautiful, and well-written, and all the stories are so deeply compelling in a unique way. Each one has its own very clear voice, like each one has a very particular voice that you're like that is the voice of a child, or that is the voice of of a cranky grandma who wants the best for her grandchild, but does not no, but like she has a very strict idea of what is good and bad of the world. This is, a, you know what I mean? Like it's very good. Highly recommend it. So yeah, that's all we have for you today. I hope that you enjoyed us ranting about our coming of age experiences, our observations, our our feminist beginnings, <laughs> our man hater mm-hmm. beginnings, and then our comparative analysis of women in the music industry, <laughs> women in pop culture mm-hmm. in the context of Adele dropping. Her latest album, 30. Let us know what you think of our rankings on Twitter at The Lavender Pod. Email us your hot takes at The Lavender Menace Podcast. You could probably fit your ranking in one tweet. Yeah. Unlike your, unlike your red, red rankings, rankings. Which is... Would be a thread. A small thesis. Yes. Like a doctoral <laughs> essay. Literally. Is, that is the ranking of, of red. red Taylor's version. And subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content, like video recordings, extra bits we cut out, early access, um, like Patreon-specific merch, you know. So join us at The Lavender Menace on Patreon. Please do. We are begging on our knees. We need mics so (laughs) It's bad. bad. Like, at first it's like, ha ha ha, OMG, subscribe to our Patreon. Now... Digital, digital gunpoint, gun please. Boy. At like at the one dollar tier, just 
so we can get our silly little microphones. And so somebody doesn't have to record at 4 a.m. So there's no noise. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Please. Some. Okay. <laughs> okay. Follow Sunny at a Sunny Book Nook on Twitter and on YouTube and on Instagram. That's my display name. So, yeah. <laughs> so follow me on twitter at renaissance first e is an x still because i do not have the balls to change it and follow me on instagram at renaissance marie and my youtube is also renaissance marie and follow us on twitter the pod's twitter at the lavender pod where we tweet our thoughts about literally everything but also like about the things that we talk it's about it's true and, you get to see, you, you get know, to hear our we, insane thoughts before we speak them aloud on the podcast. It's yeah. like a little preview, a, a yeah. little taste. It is. I feel like it'd be a fun game to be like throughout the week. Drop hints. guess which of our tweets is related oh to us, us in our, our Taylor Swift era part 35 yeah. of us now dropping Easter eggs in yeah. our little tweets. But you should follow that. And also email us your hot takes, thoughts, opinions, little shout outs, little haze, anything you want us to review at the Lavender Menace podcast. Yeah, you should email. you should send us more shitty memes like last week. That was really fun that to was really, tear oh apart. My God. If you have like a, I the cringiest thing you've ever seen and yeah. be like, wow. Preferably if it doesn't have the phrase choking out on cock uh, on would cock. be really appreciated. <laughs> Because I, like, I close my eyes and it's burned into my eyelids. Like, I cannot escape the yeah, fact that I had yeah. to read that so many times. So if it does yeah. have that, greatly appreciated. But of the of that vein. Memes of that vein. Appreciated. But yeah, that's all we have for you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.